Welcome to the Experts Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of what it really means to be in the media. Featuring interviews with media stable experts and some of Australia's prominent media. We'll break down some of the myths, the fears, the skills and the knowledge needed to succeed in the media. The Experts Podcast is for the business owner, communicator, PR professional, leader of industry or anyone looking to develop their profile to be a recognised expert. The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Experts Podcast. It's been just a little while since I've been able to sit straight across from you, Carmen Braidwood. How are you? Oh, I'm glad you got a bit of a break from me, Nick. I'm well. <laughs> well I tell you what, the break that I get is the break when I get to see you. Um, <laughs> because I tell you what, it is hard work doing this podcast when we're so distant. Yeah, this is true. And yeah. It, and it gets, and it's such a joy just to be in the old studio with you uh, and bashing it out. We've got a very special guest here. Yeah, we do. Today. Yeah, it's someone whose voice you will certainly recognise from the airwaves and from television, whose face you'll remember from probably one of the well, the first reality TV show, wasn't it? Oh, now hit, you're giving a hint. Now that this is this is a, probably a point of contention mm. that our guest will be able to define for us. To me, it really changed reality TV. But was it the first on Australian screens? His name's Mike Goldman. He's a voiceover artist. He's an actor. He's a host, and you will remember him from Big Brother. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hello, you lovely people. Thank you. Great to be here. Look, I've got to ask, because I'm a massive fan of the very, very first early stages of Big Brother, um, the, yeah. one, the one where Reggie was on. I even visited uh, up at the Gold Coast. I went <laughs> to, uh, where, where is it? What was it? Dreamland. Uh, uh, Dreamland. Dreamworld. Dreamworld. We're such West Aussies right now. I, yeah. I remember going for a tour of the place because it, it just blew our minds big brother what was it like to be involved it was incredible being at Dreamworld because it was uh, a show in a show so we literally had thousands of people going through there every single day and millions of people watching on television every night I mean people talk about maths being a biggest show right now but we, we were doing big brother you know seven nights a week and and getting double those numbers it was huge it was just an absolute juggernaut. I remember being a, a pro-am actor at the time thinking, gee, this is going to ruin drama in this country, <laughs> all thespian-like. You know what? what? <laughs> it really, that happened so much. You know, yeah. I was an actor, well, I still am, uh, before Big Brother, and, and because it was such a new thing and it took over the airwaves, there was a massive backlash from people in the in the drama and dramatic industries, you know, yeah. uh, movie producers, you know, local Australian TV producers were saying, and actors were saying, this is bad for Australian television, and there was a revolt against it in that aspect. So mm. I I couldn't get any castings as an actor, and years later I had to change my name to Michael Aaron Goldman <laughs> just to get in the door with casting agents. And when I did that, and I changed my name. I started getting all these roles again. Wow, That's interesting. Wow. Yeah, so you're right there. Mike, what, what, what do you think it was – what was the fascination behind it? Other than it being brand new, it was a, a concept, I suppose. Uh, let's put a whole heap of people that don't know each other, mm. put cameras on them 24-7, and let's just see what happens. Because share housing's funny, so won't this be funny? Is that where the idea came from? Uh, it, it came from a, a Dutch guy by the name of John de Mol. And he uh, first ran the show over there in Holland. 
it was a huge success and then just scaled it all over the world and the rest is history really it's it's still going today do you claim it as being Australia's first hit of reality TV? I mean, that actor experience kind of sums it up that way. But I start to think about, like, what was it called? The Sylvania Waters? Sylvania yeah. Waters, yeah, ABC. Sylvania, yeah, Sylvania Waters, uh, they went in they shot every day. They didn't actually have, you know, a thousand cameras and mm. 10,000 microphones in a house filming 24-7. Uh, you know, that was a bit, bit like the Kardashians, I guess, a staged reality show. Yeah. Maybe even a little bit scripted. But Big Brother, especially in that first year, we had a, uh, a real documentary television purist by the name of Peter Abbott. And he made sure that we didn't speak to the housemates. Big Brother wasn't alerting them to, to remind them that they had tasks or challenges or anything. They would literally go for days and no one would speak to them. And if you speak to any of those people from that first round of Big Brother – they actually thought that no one was watching and no one cared and they thought it would be over soon. What a mind you-know-what, you know, to think that. But but at the end yeah. of the day, the original version was always going to have to be the best because it was unknown. Mm. I suppose then you started to see all of the, the characters that wanted to be or wanted their 15 minutes of fame start to line up. I, I know this, Mike, because I, I might have actually applied <laughs> for Big Brother yeah. 2 or 3. I And when I say I applied, I might have just got the, you know, the paperwork to fill out. Yeah. I don't know if I necessarily handed it in. But I was fascinated by it because I mm. just thought it wasn't so much for me to, to get my 15 minutes of fame. It was just... I wanted to play a role in the experiment. It actually, to me, seemed like a real experiment uh, in its original form. Yep, that's that's what it, it was. It's a very different show today, but uh, apparently the next series, they're going back to a little more uh, like the old series. But I haven't been a part of the show for a few years, and I, I feel like I'm, I'm in an interview right now from 2006. <laughs> <laughs> and that is funny, <laughs> isn't it? Weird. <laughs> you get a couple of media buffs or you know TV buffs, and we're like, oh, this is just fascinating. Do you you still get asked about Big Brother? Obviously, a lot these days. No. Really? Not really. No. It's just us nerds who've just geeked out on you for the last I, I fifteen guess, minutes. I guess. You know, I mean, you know, some people you get asked a lot about what it's like to work with The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, the highest paid actor in the world. Mm. Uh, you know what? What the movie like? I was shooting last week with uh, Danny Minogue and Vanilla Ice and um, and Sophie Monk, who can actually act in Zombie Plane. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, there's, there's, I mean, I, people still go, oh, yeah, they remember you from Friday Night Live, Big Brother Up Late, Friday Night Games, all that kind of stuff, because it was such a huge success and, and it's part of, part of popular culture from, you know, 2001 to, you know, to today, it's still going, but even more so, I think, a pop, part of popular culture in, in 2001 to 2010, 2012. Mm. And so, yeah, yeah. Like I um, hosted the, uh, the Charlie Teo Rebel Ball in Sydney on Saturday night. Wow. And, um, and the band played from Adelaide. They're called uh, the Hindley Street Country Club. And the lead singer, Jordan, came running up to me and he's like, Mike, Mike, oh my God, I'm such a big fan of yours. I can't believe you're here. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm a fan of yours. Because I watch all these guys. YouTube videos. I don't know if you know the band I'm talking about, mm. but they're the, they're the greatest covers band in the world. And and there's even a documentary being made about them at the moment. And, and I couldn't believe it. Like one, he knew who I was. And two, he told me that he sent him a video to a show that I hosted on channel 10 called download of his dad doing a wheelie on a lawnmower and it won. And he got to come on the show and he won all these prizes. <laughs> <laughs> How bizarre is that? 
Oh, I like and, it. And that's the beauty of it, isn't it? You, mm. you sort of don't know who you reach out to or what kind of connection you might have made. And we'll stop geeking out on you, Mike, about Big Brother because it was such Yo, a... You can geek out all you like. Yeah. Oh, well, it's, 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 it is, it's just an important part of, I think, of the Australian psyche. Of, I think it is. Of, and, and Australian um, media industry. It is. It's fascinating. And I guess the topic of the podcast being, you know, what it takes to be a success in the media, you know, you hit on something, you know, you're acting, but then you're, you're a voice talent. Your radio talent. I'm pretty sure you got pretty good radio pedigree as well behind you. So, you know, you're an all rounder if you like. What? But what does the media kind of mean to you these days? Media isn't the same as what it was maybe 20 years ago. It, it definitely isn't the same as what it was. And I was really lucky to have a great radio career and work at some awesome radio stations in all the capital cities. And mainly because I was fired from most of them. Yeah, yeah. And you, me too. Woohoo! I, I um. I loved it, but it wasn't the be all and end all. Like uh, I wanted to play in a band, I wanted to make a movie, I wanted to shoot a TV show. So I was constantly putting myself out there for other stuff. So my advice to anyone out there, if you're you know professional speaker or if you're a voiceover person or you're an actor, just make sure you got your fingers in a lot of pies and and you're trying new stuff. Like uh, during COVID, like a lot of people, I uh, I lost all of my contracts that I had with different different companies like, uh, you know, Amart Sports, Rebel Sport, uh, the Bay Audio, all these different companies who were like bread and butter money for me. And, and obviously all the hosting gigs that I had, they're all gone. Mm. Um, so I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs during COVID thinking, what am I going to do? And I just thought, well, I'm going to do something to entertain myself. I started doing ridiculous videos of Joe Exotic from um, – uh, what's that, the Tiger King? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I was putting him on YouTube and a company called Cameo reached out to me from the States and they said, well, Joe Exotic's in jail and we just seen your videos. Do you want to be our Joe Exotic impersonator and do birthday messages for people in the US? Love it. That's and like the Hoff does, yeah. Went, Hell yeah. And <laughs> I literally made thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars doing birthday messages for people in the US <sighs> during COVID. And I think I saw you do a reel this week where you talked about getting arrested trying to find aliens. Can you fill in the gaps on that one for us, Mike? Oh, yeah. I've got a documentary that I shot over in uh, outside Area 51 in the Nevada desert. I don't know if you remember the Facebook page from many years ago. It was called Area 51, Let's See Them Aliens. And it, and it had a million people from around the world say that they were going to storm Area 51 on this certain date a few years ago. <laughs> and I'm one of those idiots that stormed Area 51 and almost got shot. Oh, uh, and I filmed the documentary around it. So if you go to my website on themike.com, I'll put up the uh, the post there again, so at the top of the feed, so you could see it. But I interviewed just some crazy out there people, and I interviewed some people who are actually really intelligent that knew all sorts of just amazing, mind blowing first contact stories. Like something that that really interested me back then, uh, and one of the most fascinating stories I heard was about a town called Virginia in Brazil. I don't know if you've heard about the uh, the series Moment of Contact, the uh, the documentary. It's by a guy called James Fox. Mm-hmm. And I got goosebumps even talking about it today. This is bigger than Roswell. Wow. If you get the chance to watch this documentary, make your own mind up, but it blew my mind. I went into this watching it. I've never heard of it, and I, I didn't think that it was that true. But seeing these people talk about uh, the, the alien spaceship crashing 
and the people talking about seeing the beings in it, um, the army showing up and the US Air Force taking away the, the dead body and one guy lifting one of the aliens up and trying to save it and he died because his immune system shut down. What? There's doctors that have come out talking about it. There's army officials that are talking about it with their faces blurred. There's people who were told to go away from the crash site with guns and this one guy hadn't talked about it for 28 years and he's he's crying his eyes out, 22, 23 years or whatever it was, crying his eyes out because there's a weight off his chest that he actually went back to the site oh, and then he could talk about it. These, these three girls that, who were on the news back then when the spaceship crashed, they, they, uh, these Brazilian girls, they, they saw the alien there and freaked out and ran away and they went on the news to talk about what they saw and a, a few days later... The men in black showed it up, up at their freaking house, offering their mother cash not to talk about it and to say that they didn't see anything. The girls made it up. Okay, this is getting a very, very freaky. Oh, my Mark. God. This has <laughs> taken a real twist I didn't expect it to take, if I'm Moment. honest. <laughs> Moment of contact. Go and watch it. Watch, watch my little uh, doco. Of contact. Oh, yeah. my God. It, it, honestly, I've never seen anything like it. But if, if you get the chance as well, check out my uh, Area 51 doco. Dorm Area Fifty One. Let's see them aliens. Uh, that is that is on my uh, on my on the Mike.com page. Or if you just Google it, you, you can find it and you watch it for free. Mike, you're quite the storyteller, and even just then, hmm. just telling us that oh, I'm sitting there going, I've got to get onto this. Hmm. In fact, uh, we'll be onto it in twenty minutes when this podcast is over. But um, what what is it about storytelling for you? I mean, what are you looking for in a story? Other than aliens, because you can't just roll out aliens any old time. Oh yeah. What are you right. What are you looking for in a story to tell? Are you? It's going to be something you're passionate about, yeah. and something that that will make you want to tell the story. Uh, something that's you know obviously got some exciting parts in it that you build to, and that, that you. Another person who's really good at telling a story is um, uh, Bernie uh, Bernard Curry. Yep. I don't know, you know the actor? Yes. Yeah, like, definitely. I've hung, out, I've hung out with him a few times, and he just has this incredible ability to say, so there I was in New York, and I was eating this amazing restaurant with this guy, and, and they were having the best food. <laughs> and what happened is he ended up dying going to hospital, but I, I'm going to get there in a second. And you're like, what? Hey, wait a minute. And you go, he gives you little little hints, but and you're wondering how things happen. So you, I think to keep people engaged in the story, you just, you just give them little teasers as to what's coming up at the end. It's like, you know, the old radio trick. You say, oh, and coming up on the show, we're going to give away $10,000. Oh, we could do it actually any minute now, you know. Just keep mm. people having that anticipation about the story and, and keep your passionate energy there about it so you're keeping people engaged. No, I always like to say in this digital age, you kind of need to do that every five to ten seconds because we've got so many distractions out there. I mean, one of the distractions, of course, is alien documentaries on the internet. That's <laughs> yeah. going to get you every time. That will definitely happen. They do. Mike, it's storytelling. Sure, it's sure personalities. You know, Big Brother was a show that you were a part of and it, it, it catapulted personalities into stardom. But personality mm-hmm. alone isn't necessarily enough to make it in the media. You've got longevity in the media. Mm. What do you think it is that gives a person longevity in this industry? Um, I, I think uh, I've always been really easy to work with and I may, may not have been the most talented person in the room or done the best audition, but they know that they could count on me and I'd show up on time and uh, I, I wouldn't be difficult. The amount of times I've uh, worked with people who have you know, showed up to set drunk or you know, had, a bl- had a blinder the night before and you could smell alcohol on them or... 
they, they say to the director or the producers, oh, I don't know, I think we should do it this way. I'm not really happy with that. I, I, I just want to go and think about that line for a minute. Like I was on a, a movie the other day and a guy I was acting opposite um, said, uh, oh, can I just see that take back? Oh. And that's just something you never, ever say on a movie set if mm. you're an actor. Yeah. Like, that is what the directors and the cinematographers and the producers are all there to decide if it was a good take. It ain't up to you. So probably for longevity, one of the most important things, I think, is just, just being easy to get along with, not taking yourself too seriously, and having fun. Because that's what it is. It's a fun industry. I mean, we could be digging ditches. No offence to the people that are digging ditches right now. Uh, this podcast isn't very big with the people that dig ditches. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, we're, we're pretty safe there. Um, I'm, I'm just loving what your point uh, comes is around the personality and also to bringing that in. Because I think if you can't bring your personality into mm. the work and enjoy and love yeah. it, as I can hear it, you know, with what you do there, Mike, um, but... You know, you can't be on all the time, can you? I, I, I want to know, is there, is there times and moments where it's just, you know what, this is hard work. Um, I've really got to find or dig deep to do this. And this is this would be great advice for any of the experts and commentators that we talk to yeah. regularly is that it's not always um, happy faces. We're not always cheery. It's, it's, it's sometimes yeah. tough. How do you get through those sort of times, Mike? Oh, I've had some massive crashes, I mean, especially during COVID. Um, I mean, obviously, I was being Joe Exotic for a while. Hi there, I'm Joe Exotic. You know the homosexual meth addict who ran for governor and hired a hitman to murder Carol fucking Baskin? Where's Don? Um, but, but during COVID, I lost all that work and I couldn't pay rent. Yeah. I'm like, shit, what am I going to do? Um, but you've just got to go for a run. You've got to get out there. You've got to call your friends. You've got to talk to people and make sure that you're sharing your stories and sharing how you feel. Because once you get it out there and you start talking about it, it's not as bad as when it's internal. Because yeah. when it's internal, you, people can be their, their worst critic. You know, people re really turn on themselves internally and, and say the worst things that you wouldn't say to your friends or family. Yeah, how so you've got to look after yourself and then and, and starting to worry about what, what people think about you as well. And it's none of your business what people think about you. Yeah. You, you, you need to just focus on yourself and what you're doing and do it well and enjoy yourself. And during that tough time during COVID, was that when you started to do some things like, I noticed you've got like a voice academy helping people, I assume, learn how to do their own voiceovers and build well, a career? The voice academy uh, is something that I've, I've basically been doing free for the last 20 years. Yeah. Because people always ask me, uh, how do I get into voiceovers? Uh, if it's you know someone who wants to be a stadium announcer, they want to do documentary series, they want to be the voice of a, a reality TV show or voices on the radio and voice the voice of the train station or what I mean there's literally so many different places where where voices are now and uh, and I've, I've, I've spent so much time helping people and like half my voiceover agent half of the people on the books are people who came to me and asking me how to get started and how to get a demo and everything like that and mm -hmm. never charged anyone a single cent in all those years and I thought, you know what, it's probably going to be a lot easier if I get on camera and I talk about it in all different modules one by one, like of, of all those things that I just mentioned. And I just finished it and I just stuck it up on Udemy and I've given it out for, to, for free to about 100 different people. And I said, just give me a good review. So if anyone's listening to this and they want to be a voiceover person, 
and they want to learn all my tricks of the trade and not just, you know, all the different ways that from a vocal warm up to how to read a, a radio commercial or documentary series or whatever I might have done in the past. And I talked through a lot of the stories. I even record um, a few different sessions that I have in my, my voiceover booth. If anyone wants to do that, then uh, just contact me and, uh, and tell me you heard about it on this show and you can have the course for free. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. That's lovely. It's not one of those, it's not one of those <laughs> shitty, shitty free course things where they say, oh, yes, you can have, you can buy free webinar and they talk for about 20 minutes about what they're going to teach you and oh, then you're yeah. going to pay $1,000. Yeah. It's not that. I'm giving, you, I'm giving you about three hours worth of videos and um, – and I think it's about 22 different modules for nothing, for listening to this show. There you oh, go. You're That's just, awesome. You just keep on giving, Mike. You just keep on giving. And I love it. Oh, I'm a giver. I'm a giver. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, just, I just want to tap into your voiceover experience, though, because I, I, I'm yeah. fascinated by voiceovers. I think, you know, they uh-huh. they bring about, they bring to life uh, something even as a name as a, a cartoon or a, 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 an inanimate object, object. but mm. you the way you and and voiceover artists do this, what, mm. what, what's going on? What's going on in the in the in the storytelling process? Theory? Are you physically encapsulating the you know the what is that object or what is that being? Or and when you're doing yeah. it for a product or a brand, are you that product and brand? What what is going on in that head of yours? Depends what it is. I mean, you've given a few examples there. I mean, if it's a hard sell retail commercial, then you, you're just putting all the energy and sell into that ad. Um, but if it's a character, for example, like the mosquito on the raid commercials, when I did that, I was just imagining myself flying around, you know, about to be murdered by a mosquito and, and, mm. and screaming, <laughs> or if, um, if I'm going to be a bowling ball, like I was a bowling ball on the AMS 10-pin bowling ads, oh, yeah. and um, his name is Billy the Ball, and he, he would uh, he'd wear this cape. It's a cartoon character. He'd come out in the bowling alley, and he'd say, Okay, it's time for my bumper bowling shot. Here I go. Oh, no. <laughs> and then the 10-pins would say, Oh, no, it's a special offer. <laughs> so... If, if you're watching this, you would have seen stupid looks all over my face, but yeah. it, that's what you got to do. You're just becoming this character. And, 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 and one of the modules in my course, um, I have, have it, it, it's like a graph, if you will, uh, like an Excel spreadsheet where I have all the accents and tones and sounds of, of voices and you match them up to be able to create a character. And that's, that's what I've done for different series that I've worked on, like um, You're Called What for Disney, Sorry about the plane noise. Got the door oh, open. Can't um, even hear you're it. called Watford <laughs> for Disney, where I um I was the voice of 234 characters in that series, and so what? it was really hard to um to create these characters without uh how can I put this in a nice way without upsetting anyone culturally? Yeah, without stereotyping, I suppose. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's like especially when you're doing kids shows, like people, oh, I don't know you. You, you sound a little bit homosexual there. We're not sure if we could put that on. Or, mm. Oh, you're sounding a little bit too Indian. I uh, think no, even Bluey got that. in trouble recently, didn't they? You can't do the African voice, no. Oh, you do American, British, French. Nah, take the piss out of them. That's fine. <laughs> you know? When you, yeah, you got to be got to be careful. Mike, when you see people like Seth MacFarlane, who, you know, probably, if you, you don't know Seth, he's, 
He's yeah, family guy. He's a genius. He's an absolute genius, and he's and he's. But when you see guys like him who have been able to make a mint out of this, Mm. are these the heroes that you look to, or is it? You know, man, he he's made hundreds of millions of dollars out of Family Guy, and Mm. it's because he's he's half the voices on the show as well. I mean, it's just like just like South Park, you know, uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. I mean, yeah. they they write the shows, they own the rights to it. They, you know, all the merchandising stuff they sell as well, and, and they get in there and they voice the characters. I mean, that's the ultimate dream, being able to uh, to create a cartoon character and a show like that and run with it. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen Koala Man at all, and you know the story behind that. No, no. tell us about Koala Man. I'm so glad about the Aussie side to it. This is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Koala Man is uh, it's a it's a new cartoon series. I think it's on Adult Swim, which is a channel in the in the US, which is all naughty, funny cartoons. Mm. And uh, basically, this guy, I believe, he's from from Adelaide, and he was uh, doing his own animations and versions of um, uh, Morty and uh, Rick and Morty, and mm-hmm. he's putting on the internet. And, and the guy who created Rick and Morty saw it and contacted him and said, do you want to write a couple of episodes of Rick and Morty because I like what you're doing? <laughs> and so instantly this kid has been catapulted into the US to one of the hottest, if not, you know, I reckon it's the best cartoon series going around at the moment. And uh, they, they liked him so much they've given him his own series wow. uh, with Hugh Jackman being uh, one of the voices on it as well. So. <laughs> It's it's just I mean animation is an incredible world if you can get into it and, uh, and 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 there's also the video game market as well and all all of the characters that you see in uh, in different video games that people play and those guys are making gazillions of dollars. Yeah, it's a whole new world there. Mike, Mike, how how do you relax? Because with all those voices going around in your head mm-hmm. and all the characters that you've played in the past, is it? Is it tough to just to, to be you, or are you a, just a, a, an, an amalgamation of all of the different characters that you've played? Um, I think uh, I, I'm, I'm just me now more than I ever have been because, like when I was younger, I didn't know who I was. You know, just just living life and you know trying to figure out who you are. But but now, I mean, I've just turned fifty. I know who I am. I know what I want to do. And I, I don't sweat the small stuff. Don't beat myself up as much as I used to, and just try and enjoy life as I much like as that. you can. And 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 like I think because life now is more busier than it's ever been, it's really important to just take time for yourself and calm that monkey brain down and focus on nothing for a while. So I mean, first thing I do when I wake up every morning, I'm. I sit on the couch and and I meditate. It might be five minutes, ten minutes, and it's just something really basic where I'm just closing my eyes and you know doing a countdown to, from ten to one, and then I do it again and again. And might listen to some music, journal my thoughts, how I've been feeling over the last couple of days, uh, and and uh, what I'm what I'm really happy for and grateful for in life. It's just a really awesome way to start the day. Um, I never used to meditate. The person who got me into it his name's lee nelson and he was my co-host on a tv show i hosted on channel 10 called joker poker like a celebrity poker show with like hamish and andy and andrew g and sophie monk and all these other celebrities and 
they rang me up to host it and they said, you know how to play poker, don't you? I'm like, yeah, snap, of course. <laughs> um, so I had no idea. I had to learn how to play poker within about two weeks. Mm-hmm. And Lee Nelson, who was my co-host, he won the Aussie Millions, like a million dollars playing poker, hence the name. And he would meditate at the table when he's playing so no one could read his facial expression. Ah. And that was one of his tricks and he won millions of dollars all over the world doing that. He wrote a book about playing poker and winning and everything like that. Now he runs a meditation retreat in uh, New Zealand. And he, um, he t- I, I asked him how he did it and he said, it's one simple trick that he does to meditate. He says to himself, speak mind and I will listen. And because your brain's doing a million things at once, you sort of go back into your head and you're looking at your thoughts and and it sort of calms them down. And the amount of times back then when I'd been out on the town till midnight and I'd have 10 vodka Red Bulls and I couldn't get to sleep, <laughs> I would do that. And it's just, just like knocking myself out. It was great. I love it. What a way to, to, to get to well, – what a place to get to, actually, to get to mindfulness. Yeah. I feel like this is such a theme at the minute for really high-achieving people who are coming to a place where they're realising they've got to do that bit extra. If we were then in, yeah. in this vein to ask you then, well, as a perfect way to give the sell, if you like, at the end, what is it that you want to do right now, Mike Goldman? Um, I want to be creative. I want to create movies and TV shows, documentaries, and I'm I'm sort of not thinking so much about being a creative and just making that one thing so I can get it on Netflix or Amazon or something like that. I'm thinking about being a creative where you can own the platform where you can keep making stuff and have all the money and have all the staff and everyone working with you who all have a share in it and, and not dealing with these banks and, you know, big, huge multinational corporations that are owning everything. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking and, I, and everyone should, should be doing this as well. You know, what a perfect aim, world. For the aim, mm. for the, aim for the stars. Yeah. A bit of aim media utopia. You, you never, you never know what you're going to hit. And, um, it's like I was, I was talking to a friend the other day about, um, a radio job and, uh, you know, getting back on air and doing a show. And I, I didn't really want to be tied to a microphone, you know, for, for four or five hours a day doing a radio show. Um, but it got me thinking, I know there's a radio network that you could actually, it could be up for sale and I think it could be bought. And if I found the right people to buy that network, then you could oversee it and just swan in and do a show once a week. <laughs> and, you know, doing that deal, you take a cut from that deal of the radio station being sold because, yeah. um, that's that's like the bigger picture and aiming higher. I mean, you never know unless you give it a go, right? Absolutely. I like it. I, I like the way you think. You got to you got to go mm. big. You got to play big. And also too, Mike, I I would think that too because with your experience and your knowledge and everything that you've done, you you're also probably in a very good place where you can choose and pick with what you want to do. And mm. and I think, you know, sometimes we just accept it and particularly in media, um, a lot of people just accept it because they think that's all they can get. Scarcity mindset will get play you. big, play mm. big. Hey Mike, you've you've done us. Yeah. You've done our 30 minutes um and we stopped talking big brother at the seven minute mark so we've done pretty well hey um i mean there was about 10 on aliens that's okay we did 10 minutes on aliens and i'm let's just chase that what's what's that show again what was that called the alien Uh, moment of contact moment of contact contact, or you can watch mine at on the mic.com it's called uh Storm Area 51, let's see them aliens. Ah, love it. Now, awesome. if anyone does want to get in contact with Mike Goldman, what's the best way to do that? Just go on the mic.com. 
Love it. All on right. the mic.com. On there the it is. Mic. On the mic.com. Uh, Mike Goldman, perfect. Well done. Thank you for invigorating, inspiring, and giving us a little bit of energy um, in behind the scenes. Voiceover mm. artist, MC. He's done it all. And, he's, and he definitely is one of the great storytellers that's running around. Of Australian media. Thank you. Well done. Thanks, oh, Mike. Stop it. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on. Good Thanks on you, Mike. Thanks. And uh, we look forward to having your company when we get to speak to another expert or another media. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Experts Podcast, powered by Media Stable. If you'd like to get in contact with the team, head to mediastable.com.au.